For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome into another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Davey Hudson, and I'm proud to be joined today by former Tennessee Titan, Denard Walker. Denard is a native of Garland, Texas, went on to play for the LSU Tigers and was drafted in 1997 in the third round by the Tennessee Oilers and was a member of that squad for four years and managed to go to a Super Bowl run with the team. Denard, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. So I, I think it's pretty incredible, Denard, with I guess the tie-ins right now from just so many players going from LSU to the league. And with LSU winning the national championship, I mean, that, that must be pretty exciting for you. It was exciting as an alumni, and that school is where my heart is at. Uh, I was so proud of them. That is, uh, this past year, that was the greatest team ever assembled at LSU. They've had some great teams, but that was the best I've ever seen And being an LSU fanatic for so long. Yeah, and I I was really hoping, I mean, the Titans were going to, for this draft class, really kind of hit that team. I was hoping their their first round pick, obviously, they they addressed uh, the tackle position. But uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire went at the end of the first round. And, I mean, you had Joe Burrow go at the beginning of the first round. And I was hoping the Titans, obviously, they've been looking to kind of have a guy to come in and back up Derrick Henry. And I was hoping they would get Edwards-Alaire. But he's going to the Chiefs, who unfortunately ended the Titans' season. But in the second round, the Titans were able to draft Christian Fulton out of LSU and he played the same position you did. What what's that transition like going from playing defensive back in college to the NFL level? It's tough. Um, I would tell you it goes up like twenty notches, but I think they got a steal because a lot of people had him projected going in the first round. So to get him at the there was sixty one, they got him at uh, sixty one in the second round, I think it's a steal. I think his upside is he's got great intangible, he's six foot plays the ball well, and most of all, what I love about him, he's a fighter. If you ever watch him play on every play, he competes. Now, he'll give up some plays every now and then. Who doesn't? But I thought he played well playing opposite of Derrick Stingley Jr., who many are considering the next Charles Woodson. Uh, this year, I think he's, he's going to be a great addition to the Tennessee Titans organization for a long time. No, I, I completely agree. I was ecstatic to watch him drop all the way to the, the Titans in the second round. Um, one of the questions, I guess, if we're looking at the Titans this this offseason, and it's not likely that Logan Ryan will be back, and Logan would often play in the nickel, and with today's offenses, you usually have a guy who's super quick in the slot. What What's that transition like? I mean, does do you see Fulton maybe sliding in to playing that role, or do you see him playing more on the outside? What What's your opinion there? Actually, I see him going inside, playing that nickel position, because He's fit for it. You know, he's very quick. He's very fast. And typically when you play inside, a lot of those receivers are small and quick. So you want to put a cornerback in there that can cover in space because that's usually where a quarterback is going to work is in that space. And typically he's going to that inside receiver. 
that you need when you have a, a cornerback coming in like Christian, he'll fit well into that nickel position because he doesn't have to play every down. But typically in today's offenses, you're going to play 80% of the game. You're going to play with three cornerbacks the game. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, that's that's been one of the things I'd been harping on all offseason was you got to make sure you get that third corner. And fortunately, John Robinson addressed that situation early in the draft. And then yesterday, actually, uh, they went ahead and they signed uh, veteran cornerback Jonathan Joseph, who had spent a number of years with the Texans and is used to Coach Vrabel's system. I, my next question for you, Denard, is so the Titans – they had a great run this past year, really kind of came out of nowhere and made it to the AFC Championship. Unfortunately, when we lost to the Chiefs, ended an incredible run, but it was it was bittersweet. From someone who has been so close to the mountaintop before in in your time, what message do you have to these players to, I guess, get back up and get ready for this coming season? I would tell them to pick, off, pick up where they left off, you know. Um, this is a team last year that was nine and seven. And when Ron, when Ron Tannehill came in, he created a spark in that organization. I, and I hated to see Marcus benched, but that game against Denver to me is where that, that team really pushed, at least in my opinion, to that AFC championship game when Ryan Tannehill came in and basically he resurrected his career. And I think he deserves every bit of the money that they gave him. But the thing that I like about this team is their resilience. They will not give up. They're going to fight. And that's what I like about uh, Mike Vrabel's team. They're a reflection of how they're coached. I know their coach well. I played against him for a long time. And Vrabel, that's what he does. Vrabel is a fighter, man. He's a monster, and he's smart. And I thought that team, they played well. I mean, to have to go on the road three games straight, they won the wild card. They dethroned the Patriots 20-13. They came back and shut down Lamar Jackson. But they had to go to Kansas City, and that was tough. And they pretty much was in the game until about, what, four minutes left? Yeah. Even though it was 24-35. That's all you need to do is just basically you, you still got a lot of guys coming back. Even though you do you do lose Jarrell Casey, uh, of course, he got traded over to Denver, and Delaney Walker's going to be gone. But you still got a lot of great players. You still got the Corbett players coming back. And so the only thing that I would tell them is to just continue – to push forward. And if this team continues to do that and to progress, this is a team that I believe easy, not saying easily, it's not going to come to you easy, but they have a chance to hoist that Lombardi trophy, I believe, in 2020. I truly believe this is a team to be reckoned with this coming season. Oh, I, I completely agree with you. I When I look at the AFC right now, I feel like the Chiefs, Ravens, and Titans are above the rest of the competition. Denard, yeah, you, you, don't. you You mentioned playing against Coach Vrabel and just the type of player he was and how that's like turned into the type of coach he is. The Titans this year, especially on the defensive side of the ball, defensive coordinator Dean Pease is retiring and they're bringing in a new defensive backs coach after Kerry Coombs left to be the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. How much of a transition do you think that's going to be for the players, even though it was Vrabel's system, but just losing your DC, losing your positions coach, Kind of, I guess, walk me through what that might be like. Well, it's tough. It's not super tough because you, you got to understand pretty much in the NFL, everything kind of is the same. Uh, it's just different terminology changes, but the technique and all of that does, it doesn't change. See, when you go from a defensive back, and I get that. My first two years, we had um, Greg Brown 
who came over from Colorado. He was my secondary coach. And Greg was great. I loved him to death. He taught me so much. And then the last two years, uh, Greg left, and then we had Jerry Gray, who everybody knows who Jerry is, former All-American at the University of Texas, 85, uh, Rookie of the Year for the Rams. He came in. Nothing really changed. Jerry was just a little bit different in his approach to technique. Uh, other than that, when you get to to the NFL, they really want you to already be be willing and be ready to coach yourself at that at that stage. And so you don't need much coaching. Basically, what they're going to do is they're going to give you a call, and they feel like you're good enough right now to go out there and execute it. So nothing really changes. And a defensive coordinator, he what he will do is he may call the game differently, but the calls are still the same. He might want to run a little bit more man than say a team, or you know. If you were basically running a lot of cover two, it's just that he might want to do something just a tad. He may want to call something a little different as opposed to the other defensive coordinator. But other than that, everything really still stays the same. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I guess from a little bit more of my concerns is this coming season with the Titans, not naming a defensive coordinator. And it looks as though Mike Vrabel is going to take over more of that role in the play calling I had a couple of issues, and again, Rabel's a young coach, but when it came to time management situations to where I thought towards the end of the year he did a better job, but I don't know if taking on the extra load of calling plays and being so involved in the defense in-game might lead to him having too much going on at one time. That could happen. Uh, again, I, you know, let me just tell you a quick story. I actually played when I played at Denver, you know, I played under Mike Shanahan, who basically a lot of people thought Mike's the head coach. Wrong. He was the <laughs> offensive coordinator as well. He called the offenses. A lot of people thought it was Gary Kubiak. And they both did. They worked together. So a lot of coaches will actually, especially in the NFL, they will actually call if he's a defensive-minded coach um, like Bill Belichick. Yep. He has a lot to say, you know. As to what's going on on the defense side of the ball, even though that coordinator might actually call a call, he has to sometimes check with that head coach to make sure he gets that call right. And the head coach has to, he has to give an okay to say, okay, yeah, go ahead and call that. It's the same thing at Tennessee. Mike knows what he wants to call. Okay, so he knows what he wants to do because he's a defensive minded coach. That's why they brought him there. You know, that's what he was doing at Houston when he was at Ohio State. You know, he was calling defenses because yeah, he was a linebacker coach at Ohio State, but he knows what the what he wants and he knows what's going to make that defense better. So I don't think he would be loading himself. It's just that what players don't want is to see a coach sometimes give a little bit more attention to say the defensive side of the ball as opposed to the offensive side of the ball. And that's kind of where I think coaches can kind of get in trouble a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that I guess if I had to just say one concern that that would be it, but I feel like you did a really good job of addressing that issue and uh, easing easing my thoughts on the matter. Yeah, a lot of coaches do. A lot of coaches will actually they would take that role. You know, mm-hmm. Mike Shannon, a prime example. Um, I know when I played in uh, Oakland, of course, Norv Turner uh, was the head coach, but a lot of people don't realize that Norv Turner called a lot of the plays. If you ever go to practice as the head coach and the offensive coordinator, they're basically right next to each other. But a lot of times you will see the head coach tell the offensive coordinator, run this when they give us this. This is what I want. So Vrabel, basically what coach is doing, what Vrabel is doing, is he's just he's just making a cause as opposed, you know, he can have a defensive coordinator, 
but he will relate to the defensive coordinator what he wants in that mm-hmm. position. And that's what a defensive coordinator would do because that's his boss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he has to listen to it. And uh, I'm with you. Like, I, I see that done a lot on the offensive side of the ball. And mm-hmm. Bill Belichick's the one example everyone kind of points to on the defensive side. And obviously, his run of dominance throughout the league has really been unlike anything we've seen. And so it's just, I would love for Vrabel to kind of have the next dynasty coming up. And I mean, well, when you look at it, they did in the Patriots' current dynasty. So who knows? Exactly. And he comes from that Bill Belichick system. You know, I mean, he, yes, he played with the Steelers. But when he, uh, you know, he went to New England in free agency, and plus he played at New England for a long time. So he, he's got some great coaching when he was there. And you take all of that with you, you know. So he's, he's been around the block, and that's what makes Brable such a great coach. Yes, and, uh, and so hopefully everything just kind of falls into place and the Titans are able to pick up where they left off in the 2019 season. Denard, one of the big questions that the Titans are facing this offseason and even though he's under contract for 2020, it's whether or not to sign Derrick Henry to a long-term deal. And at your time in Tennessee, you went up against Eddie George, who was a great running back in his, his own right. What do you think the Titans should do in that situation? Okay, here's the million-dollar question, million-dollar answer. Sign him. <laughs> sign him. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a grown man. Okay, he let the... You know, it wasn't no accident last year that he was the leading rusher in the NFL. Okay. This man is on the cusp of something great. He is a great running back. The things that he did this past year, it left me in awe of how good he really is. Yeah, we can talk about his days at Alabama. We can go back to when he played high school football in Florida. Derrick Henry hasn't even touched the cuffs. He hasn't even touched the surface of where he's going. If I'm Tennessee right now, you know you've got the next best thing in Derrick Henry. He is right now, uh, he's in a league of his own right now. He can be as good as he wants to be. And he has the intangibles. He has the attributes one day to be a Hall of Fame running back. And he reminds me a lot of Eddie George. So if you know you've got that caliber of a back, sign him. It's like Tom, It's like uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. told Tom Cruise. Show me the money. Go give him the money. Give it to him <laughs> right now because you just don't. The value of a running back decreases over time. So right now he's young. He's vibrant. He's healthy. Sign him. He deserved it. He showed this organization last year that he is a number one running back. And, you know, when they, that's why DeMarcus Murray, DeMarco Murray now is coaching at Oklahoma because they knew they got something special in Derrick Henry. If I'm that organization right now, I'm locking him up. Because I know that if we want to get where we want to be, and that's eventually a Super Bowl winner, we're going to need to ride. We're going to need to get on Derrick Henry's back. And that's who's going to take us to the promised land. And that's the Super Bowl. So, yeah, go ahead and pay him now. Yeah, the the big thing with me, and I'm all for giving him the money. My biggest concern is giving a running back a long-term deal and you get yourself in a situation where – when you look at current Super Bowl winners, their running backs, it's changed really in the last decade versus what you used to see in the 80s and the 90s and just how right. dominant the run game was. And obviously the the Ravens and the Titans are kind of, and, and I'd throw the 49ers in that situation, how much they rely on the run game. But when you're getting into salary cap situations, that's one of the 
questions I have with John Robinson of like how far is he willing to go with Derrick Henry, even though there is not another running back in the league right like him right now. Well, sometimes you you gotta you you, you just listen. One of the things about running backs, we all know this. Those guys, that's the, one of the toughest positions on the field because they take a beating every play. Absolutely. That's why they went out in the third round and got Darrington Evans out of App- Appalachian State. This guy, Dar- Darrington is a great young back. A lot of people don't know about him because he plays uh, for Appalachian mm-hmm. State. But let me tell you something. In this day and age, you need two or three running backs. So you don't necessarily put the load on um, Derek because that would wear a guy down. We saw that happen in Denver with Terrell Davis. You need a quality back, a backup. But what you need to do is you always need your workhorse. Okay, They can complement one another. If you look at today's game, you always see two to three guys in a backfield. And you don't need to give a guy 30 carries a game or 40 carries like we did with Eddie George. I mean, I think that's really what hurt Eddie is the fact that we just had Eddie. So everybody knew that the ball was going to go to Eddie. The problem is, is over time, it wears these guys down and everybody's injury prone because you're one hit away from a career-ending injury. So why not go ahead and lock up your best player right now? You just drafted a great young back. Uh, out of Appalachian State that you know he's going to come in and give you some quality carries. So, yeah, I just think that everybody's always afraid to pull the, what I, I don't like to say, to pull the trigger on giving a guy all that money. And then over time, you know, he's going to get hurt or something like that. We fear that. And then we don't get what we want out of him. That's not the way it should work. I believe that he rushed for more yards than any back in the league last year. So what he showed you is that the value is there. So go ahead and lock him up, you know, and pay him because he deserves it because he put in the work, he put in the time, and then it all paid off last year. When you can go to the Pro Bowl and say, you know, right now you're the top back in the league because nobody had more yards than you, I think if I'm a GM right now, I'm saying to myself, I'm going to pay him because if you don't, somebody else might come in, and we know how that works with free agency. A lot of guys, when they're not happy, look at Khalil Mack, you know, when he was with the Raiders, now he's, you know, in Chicago because of the money situation. Don't make it about money. You know, make it about the value of a guy. And this guy showed you last year that when he put a team on his back, you know, and basically you went to the AFC Championship. So, you know, you one game away from the promised land in the NFL, and that's the Super Bowl. But, you know, in order to get there, you need your top dog. And that's what Derrick Henry is. He is your top dog. He is your man. So go ahead right now and pay him while he's young because he's not 30. What is he, 20, what, 23, 24? Uh, I think he's 25. If he's 25, we know that the value of a running back doesn't typically decrease until they mm, about 29, 30. So you know you probably got a, a good four to five years left. You know, go ahead because most of us, when we saw long-term deals, is typically three years, and after the third year, they typically go back and ask you that you yeah. can take less money or they got to cut you. Yeah, so like go ahead and sign him to that. Why not? Yeah, you saw uh, the Rams. Uh, they have so much dead cap right now after cutting Todd Gurley and, and that deal. And I, I feel for Todd because, I mean, that's just a, an issue with his knees. And it's as it's, it's though he looks as though he's already got arthritis kind of setting in there. Uh, Derek is, he turned 26 back in January. But you hit it right on the nail with the Todd Gurley situation. I mean, that's how it works. A few years ago, we were saying Todd Gurley is the greatest running back in the league. He's the best running back in the league. He's the next Walter Payton. And look what happened. 
you just never know. Uh, and that's just the way the game is because it's so brutal. A lot of people don't realize how brutal an NFL season. 16 games and they were trying to increase it. It's tough on a, it's taxing on a body. It's taxing on the mind. So when you got a young player that you know you can get four or five years out of him, you know if you continue to draft guys like Isaiah Wilson, and then you address free agency going out and get really good linemen, then guess what? Pay him because you know you're going to get another four or five years out of him. And the way free agency is now, you never know when you might get that chance to have a team that will compete for a Super Bowl. So you know right now we got a team that can possibly be one of the teams next year representing the AFC down in Tampa next year. So go ahead, lock him up because you know you got something special. And then that will solve all of, solve all of the money issues. Denard, looking at your time playing in the NFL, is there a a running back that you could that you would compare to Derrick Henry that you're just like, my gosh, like this is just one guy I don't want to have to go up against because no matter what you try, it seems like he's almost impossible to stop. Well, that's easy. The one I played with for four years, Eddie George. I mean, to me, that was Superman because you know I would literally, I never sat down, especially the last two years. I never sat on the bench. Every time the offense was on the field, I would get up because our offense really, it was, I mean, it was built around Eddie and Steve, you know, but Eddie was the workhorse. Eddie is like, Derek is a mirror image of Eddie. They're both the same size, 6'3". They're both built like gods. You know, Eddie was 230, 240 pounds, no body fat. Derek's the same way. I mean, it's a modern day it's a modern day Eddie George is what I, when I look at Derrick Henry, that's all he is to me. Yeah, he's pushing 250. Exactly. Well, <laughs> 250, yeah. Eddie was 240, so 10 pounds difference. But you see, Eddie, for what, eight years in Tennessee and Eddie one year in Dallas. I mean, this man had a remarkable career. You know, it's just unfortunate after about nine years, and that's what all of us, you see in Cam Newton, you know, we just, we, we go down a little bit because of the injuries, because of the taxing, of this game, it wears on your body. But that's exact what that's what when I used to see Eddie George, that's what I would I would just in awe about the pounding that he would take. But he just kept getting up, just the blood just everywhere. He couldn't walk. He would be in a booth on Monday. People didn't know about this. He would actually during walkthrough on Mondays when we come back to kind of condition, he would be in a booth. Basically he couldn't even walk half of the time. But by Wednesday, he was full tilt at practice. And I used to just look at him and like, man, there's no way that this guy can get beat up like this on a Sunday. And then he can't walk on a Monday. And then Wednesday, he's full tilt at practice and he's doing it again the next Sunday or the Monday night. And that's what I respected by Eddie. He was just a workhorse. I mean, the more you gave him the ball, the stronger he got. And every time I look at Derrick Henry, I see the same thing. It's like a mirror image just some 20 years later. I think it's kind of just really interesting whenever you, you do make those comparisons between Eddie and Derek just because of how beloved Eddie was at his time in Tennessee, and it seems Derek's heading towards the same path, and that is definitely one of the bigger questions. I believe the team has until July 15th to reach a long-term deal before the season as it relates to playing outside of the franchise tag, but it is one of the topics that most Titans fans will be looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Yeah, it's going to be a tough decision, but, you know, like I said before, you always have to lock. you got to find a way. I know with the salary cap being what it is today, it was like that for us, too. I know sometimes you can't sign, you know, everybody. That's why I ended up, you know, having to exit out of Nashville because 
you know, a guy like myself who started four years, had over 60 starts. Uh, and I like to feel like that last year, you know, man, I put in some work, but I ended up getting a long-term deal at Denver because I knew that at Tennessee, they couldn't pay me the money that Denver was going to be able to give me. That was tough, you know, but I had to go. You have a situation now where you know this is my best player. And they knew back then in 1999 that their priority was that offense. That means they got to sign at that time Steve and they had to sign Eddie. So sometimes certain guys like myself have to walk. Listen, this is your franchise player right here. You just signed a quarterback and, and Ron Tannehill, who had, at least in my opinion, going down the stretch, played better than any other quarterback in the league last year. Why not sign your best running back right now? And they both are young. So you know the value of these guys. They're going to give you some four or five years because that's probably where your run's going to be in the next, you know, what, the next four years or so. That's the, that's the way you have to think of free agency. The way it is today is you got to get it now because there's no guarantees that these guys are going to be around in two or three years, you know, especially the way other teams and organization, if they free up the cap, they're able to pay guys. We saw that with Khalil Mack. And we're starting to see more and more, more, and more guys say, listen, I want this, and if I don't get it, I'm going to sit, and I'm not going to play. We saw it with, uh, uh, who was that, uh, in, uh, for the Rams, the big guy. Was it Aaron, um, the, the defensive tackle? Oh, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. You know, he sat, got the $100 million, but the Rams knew we can't lose him. So that's what you're going to have to do now. you got to sometimes just say, listen, i got to pay my best player. And then I'll, I'll go in free agency and get a few guys here and there like New England did it. You lock up Tom Brady, you lock up your core guys, but then you bring in a lot of other guys to kind of fill in the gap. And that's the way it is in today's market. You just, that's the way, you know, teams are, they have to face that. Um, that's reality, you know, as far as the salary cap, the league that we're playing in, in today's age. Yes, sir. And Denard, I got one more question for you. And what I'd like to know is what was your most memorable moment with your time as a Tennessee Titan? My most memorable moment would be playing really that first game. It, it, I know, what is it called? Nissan Stadium now? Yes. It was called Adelphia Coliseum. Uh, in 1999, we played the Rams in preseason. And that was the start. That was kind of the inception of the Tennessee Titans. So I, sh- I, I will go down in history uh, from to the day I, you know, Whenever I'm dead and gone, my kids will always know that my dad, uh, their dad, was a part of the first team, the first Tennessee Titans team to play in that stadium. I mean, how awesome is that to actually, you not only, you bring in a brand to a new city and a new state. And a lot of people don't know that, but for two years, we were the Tennessee Oilers. We played in Memphis, and then we played over at Vanderbilt, and then I was I was a part of a class in that 1999 team to play the first game at this now Nissan Stadium. It was Adelphia Coliseum. The first Tennessee Titan team would be that 1999 team, and to be able to be to be able to have been a part of that to me is a huge blessing because I'm pretty sure if they have a poster somewhere in that Coliseum or that stadium, we call it Coliseum back then, that that team should be the team where people will say that's the first team of the Tennessee Titans right there in 1999. And man, that, that excites me because I'm a part of history and, and a lot of people can't say that. So to be able to say that about myself and to say that to my kids, that is a huge blessing. And it's, it's something that I don't take for granted. 
Wow, piece of history. That's something that uh, it's it's going to be there forever. Yeah. Well, Denard, Denard, I really appreciate you joining the show today. Had a great time talking with you, and I would love to do it again soon. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys, for having me. Man, it was a blessing just talking about uh, this Tennessee because there's a part of my heart still in Nashville, and, and just thank you guys so much. And that was former Tennessee Titan Denard Walker. That is going to do it for us today. As always, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We're available on all your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V. And you can follow me, Davey Hudson, on Twitter and Instagram at Davey underscore Hudson. You have been listening to Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. I hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll do it again soon. And as always, tighten up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.